You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting. And we're betting that you will find them interesting as well. We can promise you this. You'll be smarter when you get to your destination. On this edition of Commute, a shared experience and a shared cash prize. Unfortunately, usually totaling around a buck thirty-seven. The gaming app HQ Trivia took the world by storm a few years ago. And then, almost overnight, it was over. What happened? Fantasy football used to just be a numbers game for nerdy sports fans, but it has evolved to be something much more than that. Now that the game is worth more than the NFL itself, what does that mean for the future of the sport? We may have to plug uh, the 1-800-GAMBLER line at the end of this episode, just in case. (laughs) We've all had the thought, right? What would happen if I just left? What if I vacationed indefinitely? Well, for more than two decades, a man referred to as Super Mario has done just that. But is the self-proclaimed happiest guy in the world actually that darn happy? All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, I'm not much of a gaming app guy with my phone. Now, I know a couple years ago you were, now this is, this is a fact. You were walking around Boston, and instead of sightseeing Boston, you were trying to catch Pokemon on Pokemon Go. So I know that you are much more of a gaming app guy than myself. I don't know if that's really fair. I mean, that was like that's a true, that was like a though. one I mean, summer it, thing, and everyone it in the matter if it's fair, everyone it's in true. the world was doing it too. So you come at me, you're coming at a lot of people about Pokemon Go. There were some rare Pokemon in Boston, by the way. So I just it was a sacrifice I had to make. They're like, look, Jay Fenway Park, and you're like, yeah, 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 but there's a Squirtle over here. <laughs> Now, I mean, I use apps, okay? So getting back to the app thing, I, I, I use apps. I just don't download gaming apps. In fact, as you know, and probably most of the listeners of the show have figured out at this point, I, I fancy myself a junior weatherman, a junior meteorologist. So my most used app is probably the Weather Channel. But I think the last time I downloaded a gaming app, Jay, it actually came at your suggestion. You were really into what was a random thing at the time, a game show app called HQ Trivia. Do you remember when you told me about it? Yeah, I was so obsessed with HQ Trivia because it came on, and I'm sure you'll tell us kind of the details, but it came on consistently. So it was the same time every night, and it was an event. It was part of my night. You're right, and it revolutionized the gaming app industry. So what makes this app commute worthy is that, as you said, Jay, for a short stretch of time, it was nearly all anyone talked about. Hundreds of thousands of people twice a day would compete in real time with each other for a cash prize. But Jay, as spectacularly fast as HQ rose, it fell even faster. So what happened? Well, let's start at the beginning. What was HQ Trivia? Launched in 2017, which I think we'd all agree feels like it was about 20 years ago at this point, the gaming app HQ Trivia took the best elements of live television, mobile gaming, and entertaining production and combined them into a daily quiz show styled contest where people from all over the world could compete against each other in real time for a cash prize. It had a similar feel to the game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, 
with the questions getting more difficult as it went, and it was unique in that more than one person could win. So if 10 people won, 10 people shared the cash prize. Now, did you ever win? I can't remember. No, I got really, really close a couple times. I think like one question away. But the questions at the end were so impossibly hard. It was the most specific and like random knowledge that, and I understand why they had to do it that way. But when you got to that point, it was just really, really hard to keep going. Do you remember the video app Vine? Basically TikTok before TikTok? Well, Vine's creators Russ Yosipov and Colin Kroll developed HQ and even manufactured some drama to help drive app use in its early days. The original HQ host was a guy named Scott Rogalski, a.k.a. Quiz Daddy, who has his own interesting story. The legend goes that he was basically on his way out of New York, having failed to become an actor, when the call came to audition for HQ. And as Rogalski gained popularity, rumors started to float around that one of the owners wanted Rogalski out. The public drama from this manufactured story worked perfectly. It drew tons of interest into HQ and pushed it to become the sixth most downloaded app in the App Store. While most winners walked away with about 80 cents after the pot was split, It still wasn't all that uncommon, especially in the early days, for people to win thousands. In fact, the top winner ever walked away with a reported $50,000. Jay, going into 2018, this is how popular and powerful HQ was. These stats come from businessofapps.com. 12.8 million downloads as of August 2018. Its peak audience was 2.4 million users. It was Time's App of the Year for 2017. It rose as high as third overall in games and sixth overall in the Apple App Store in 2018. And it was valued at $100 million after a $15 million Founders Fund investment in 2018. So, what happened? For starters, the game was very glitchy. The audio would frequently drop, the questions would freeze, and Rogalski, or in the later days of the app, guest hosts, would be left giving poor improv performances while work went on behind the scenes to fix the app in real time. Next, the app was free. And while it gave away money, it didn't really make any money. The app was originally funded by investors in a parent company named Intermedia Labs, but that money just wasn't going to last forever. By November 2018, so keep in mind, in 2018, at one point, it was the sixth rated app in the Apple App Store. By November of 2018, it had dropped from sixth to 253rd. And by June 2019, app downloads had fallen by 92%. Jay, one big concern at this point was the use of bots to cheat the system. Coded artificial intelligence players could win quite frequently. Then there was a reputation problem. Kroll, one of the founders, was accused of inappropriate behavior and then tragically passed away due to a drug overdose. Jay, add to that the rise of other quiz show apps, and by February 2020, it was over. Yeah, I was trying to kind of do the math in my head and figure out, like, when did I stop playing and why? And I think it kind of adds up to what you said, like... I think at some point I just got frustrated with like not winning because yeah, like the app would glitch. You'd get to like, you'd be on a roll, you'd be on question eight and all of a sudden, you know, the question would come and then the choices would never pop up on your screen. And there was like nothing more frustrating than just kind of being on a roll and being like, this is my night. This is what I'm going to win. 
And then all of a sudden you're kicked out because of something out of your control. And I do remember, though, I guess this was probably at its height. I guess it would have been the New Year's Eve leading from 2017 into 2018, that it was like a big New Year's Eve event to do HQ. And they had it like posted all over Times Square and like Scott Rogowski was in Times Square, like hosting the thing. And I just remember thinking like this app is going to be here forever. So Dave, you and I are both uh, fantasy football players, and I would say that we are probably bigger fantasy football players than the average person. I mean, we're both in multiple leagues. We both uh, kind of build our NFL season around it. Yeah, and I think part of that love comes from our love for football. You know, I've loved the Dallas Cowboys my entire life, and you over the last couple of years have really started to love the Green Bay Packers. So we love the game outside of fantasy, but it just makes it even more fun. Yeah, and you know, it is it is fantasy football season right now, and this is a time of the year where millions of sports fans will get together at draft parties or online to draft their fantasy teams for the season. And at this point, it's hard to remember a time in which fantasy football did not exist. Uh, the game adjacent to the game, once a stats and numbers game for nerds that you had to get out of the paper, uh, has evolved into a mammoth of an industry. In fact, the fantasy industry is worth $18.6 billion, which is $6 billion more than the current estimated NFL revenue and four and a half times the current value of the NFL's top flight team, your Dallas Cowboys. The Fantasy Sports Trade Association estimates that 32 million Americans spend about $467 per season playing daily fantasy gambling games. So in case you're unfamiliar with how it works, fantasy players will draft a team of real-life NFL players who gain points for real-life performance in a game. Total scores then go head-to-head to decide a winner. The game has evolved, though, in recent years to embrace a gambling side, now a multi-billion dollar industry. Players can draft a team for a weekly game or just a daily game or even a quarterly game. Players can form teams for half of a game and go head-to-head to wager real money. From the NFL's perspective, this sort of game within a game kind of makes sense, right? It can be used to draw people into the games, the teams, the players that may not normally follow a team to follow their fantasy team and generate more interest in the product on the field. And ratings have gone through the roof with people tuning in to even games featuring two bad teams to track their fantasy players. And in many ways, the NFL owes its unmatched success to the popularity of fantasy sports. And as we move into our fantasy-obsessed future, are we getting to a place where the popularity of fantasy will outweigh the popularity of the sport itself? I think 100% because, you know, I made that joke about putting the 1-800-GAMBLERS line on this episode's show notes, but it's true. There are people, and I know some of them, who literally are obsessed with gambling. Well, and it's so specific now, too. So if I'm watching a game on a Thursday night, I don't even have to do it before the game starts. I can go into a gambling app right before the fourth quarter starts, and I can draft a fantasy team from the players on the field for just the fourth quarter and play a head-to-head game for real money. And this idea that like fantasy could be more popular than the NFL, it's a fair question. I mean, the feedback loop in which fantasy football creates, where you interact with the product on the field in a way, a structure in which these players are playing for your fantasy team, not for the hometown team, is addictive. 
playing fantasy really no longer requires you to join an office league or to find a league with friends. Anyone with a debit card can gamble on every aspect of the game. Is the future of the NFL one in which the monitor is no longer a one-way experience, but a two-way experience of fantasy dominating the traditional love for a specific team? You know, as an owner of an NFL team, this is a weird balance, right? Because like you like that fantasy is bringing more exposure and money to your team. But at the same time, like you're logically asking fans of your team to cheer for players on other teams, which is just sort of like a weird and counterintuitive thing to do. And there have also been many NFL rule changes over the years that have benefited the offensive players over the defensive players when it comes to contact and grabbing. And because of this, there's an increase in scoring and fantasy football becomes more exciting in the process. As biometrics enter the game, you know, like how deep does this go, Dave? Like in the future, will I be able to see the players I draft's velocity and heart rate stats? Imagine if I could know my kicker's resting heart rate before they kick a field goal and I can use that to decide who to draft and who not to draft right will every seat in the stadium have an iPad attached to the one in front of it for real time fantasy gambling could the popularity of the game eclipse the game in and of itself well Jay I think you're being a little unfair here by just concentrating on the NFL because fantasy is in every sport okay Major League Baseball the NBA but also a couple of uh, leagues that I'm thinking about starting NASCAR so you can do NASCAR fantasy and county championship cricket check your email an invite will be coming tomorrow <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I start laughing I like to start coughing Oh, and Jay, finally, let's land here. So first of all, have you ever been on a cruise? I've always wanted to go on a cruise. It just really hasn't ever worked out for me. Yeah, I went on one when I was in like eighth grade or something uh, with my family. So I don't remember a whole lot of it. Um, I do remember just like after three, four, five days, you start to feel kind of weird about being trapped on a ship. Well, also, there was that situation a couple of years ago, right, um, where the cruise ship like got stalled in the middle of the ocean. There was like rivers of pee just going down the hallways. And it was I mean, it was insane. It's like people were trapped on the boat forever. Yeah, it's your nightmare, like being stranded in the ocean, being dirty. It's like all the things that would just like make your brain <laughs> totally implode. For some reason, I thought you said, yeah, that's a your nightmare <laughs> which it is so oh uh, well jay when do we know when we've gotten too much of a good thing okay so like for some things it's easy to tell that right like i mean if you eat four candy bars you will get sick at some point it'll stop tasting good but what about a vacation forever I always think about the movie Inside Out. So if you haven't seen the Pixar movie Inside Out, just very quickly, it's about your emotions and how your emotions have to be balanced out or you could never feel any of them. You're not going to experience joy without sadness. And so when I think of an an eternal vacation, I just think at a certain point it would kind of get old, right? Well, Jay, for nearly 8,000 nights and over two decades, Mario Salcedo has lived his life on vacation. Highlighted in the 2018 film, The Happiest Guy in the World, Super Mario, as he's called by those that know him best, has lived his life aboard a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. 
Now, before you ask, yes, COVID did disrupt Super Mario's lifestyle. He spent the pandemic in the place that he spends his handful of days each year away from the cruise ship in his Miami, Florida condo. He dances, eats, talks to strangers, and operates a small business, all from his cruise ship cabin. But Jay, is Mario truly the happiest guy in the world? Well, for starters, let's try to get to know the man aboard the boat. At the age of seven, Salcedo's parents fled the hostile political world of Cuba to settle in Florida. After college, he got a job in Miami, climbed the corporate ladder, and made a great living until just after 20 years at that gig, he walked into his boss's office one day and abruptly quit, citing a desire to change his entire life and see the world. And so, Jay, in 1997, he climbed aboard his first cruise ship, and a match was made from cruise ship heaven. For the next handful of years, he would try every cruise line looking for the right one to put down his roots, ultimately landing on what he thought to be the perfect cruise ship company, Royal Caribbean. At this point, it was the year 2000, and Salcedo had just gotten his financial consulting business to the profitable point he needed it to be at, bringing in the required $65,000 a year to book nonstop cruises for an entire year. Jay, he told Mental Floss a few years back that he picked a life aboard a cruise boat because he loved the show The Love Boat. Watch the reruns, Super Mario told Mental Floss. Everyone's just so happy. Their defenses are down, and they want to have a good time and socialize. So what's an average day aboard the ship look like for Mario? Well, typically, each day begins with a four- to five-hour work shift from a deck chair overlooking the ocean. After that, he does literally whatever he wants. He claims that he typically knows 15 to 20 people aboard every cruise who are what he refers to as frequent floaters, people who cruise a lot. All the swimming and dancing has also kept Mario very fit. He claims to have never been sick for a single day over the past 20 years. But Jay, let's circle back. Let's get back to our question. Is Super Mario the happiest guy in the world? While he may claim that he is, there's some evidence that seems to suggest otherwise. A lifelong bachelor, Salcedo has never had a long-term serious relationship. His condo in Miami, completely empty. And when he's home, he has no friends to spend his time with while away from the boat. Any of the friends I had on land pretty much gave up on me, he told Mental Floss. I'm never home, so they just kind of withered away out of my life. You'd think all that time spent aboard the cruise ship would earn the man a discount. Nope, full price. In fact, he still gets charged $20 per day for his internet. Man, I feel like Royal Caribbean is really messing this up. Like, this is the perfect marketing opportunity for your cruise line. Like, you put this guy on a commercial, you advertise the fact that he literally never gets off your boat and he stays on it all the time. He could be the spokesman for the cruise line. It's crazy that he's being charged full price, and I'm angry now. Life is about connection with people. It's uh, And to be robbed of that and kind of have these like surface-level connections week in and week out, it just... It feels like the plot of some like dystopian novel, like just being in this like boat that caters to all your needs, but like never really being able to form a relationship with anyone. It just sounds like a nightmare to me. It does not sound happy.
And that is it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to please rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And check us out on social. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can always say hey at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jay Sisson, I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. Where is the quiz daddy at now, you may ask? Well, during the uh, pandemic, he started a ISO late night, 45-minute live stream comedy show where he shared jokes and interviewed celebrities while he was self-isolating. And he also has an Instagram page, Quiz Daddy's Closet, where he is selling vintage t-shirts to make money for charity. And I see on here he has a shirt from the band Corn, so you'll have to get on that. Yeah, the grind never stops for the quiz daddy.